Dave, let me ask you a personal question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a mother, Steve? I do indeed. Fantastic. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, well, yes, we all do, but I'm sure you're a good son and you love your mother, don't you, Steve? Uh, uh, the best. I'm like legendary. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Well, I got a tip for you. You can really win Mother's Day. Win your mother over on Mother's Day. Cement your reputation as this really good son. Give your mom an Aura digital picture frame. Have you heard of these things, Steve? Yes, I have. They're loaded up with decades of photos. You can just like hook them up to the phone and then you get the photos running through it, kind of scrolling through it. You seen these things? Yeah, they're great. They're really cool. Yeah, and you can get everything. Uh, and Pictures of your mom, pictures of whoever, your family, your brothers, all, all these things. They're a wonderful item. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code word ChinwagPod at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This is Paul Giamatti speaking. And this is Stephen Asma. And this episode of Chinwag is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is indeed, Steve. Let me ask you a blunt question. Do you ever feel stuck, Steve? <laughs> I'm serious. Do you ever feel kind of stuck in the mud? Every day, my friend. Yeah. Every damn day. And then what happens is you get overwhelmed because you're kind of stuck, right? True. As I get older, and I am getting older, folks, I may not look it. You may <laughs> think, oh, he's like Dorian Gray. He's going backwards. Yeah, Wow, he's, he's, he's going backwards. I am getting older, folks. It's hard to believe. The thing I notice is how important it is to maintain a balance. You know, I guess you'd call it work-life balance. I don't think I'm alone here, but therapy's helped me do this, this balance. It can help you find equilibrium. It can help you feel more empowered in the decisions you make, the boundaries and priorities you set. It's good in that way. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Sometimes that's hard, right, to find the right person. So this helps. You can change. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash chinwag today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash chinwag. Are you all right? <laughs> Just clearing my throat, Steve, getting ready to launch yet another scintillating episode of the chinwag great to see you my friend great as to always see you. yes great to see you as always what's been going on steve what's new what's going uh, on behind the behind the mask of steven osmo <laughs> what's actually going on i'm like a series of masks and then like you get to the other side and there's nothing nothing there. it's you're just like, masks yep. you're like an yeah. onion steve you're yeah. like you're like <laughs> an the, you're like onion the onion of- yeah, the postmodern selves just That's right. floating out there. <laughs> Aren't we all though, Steve? Seriously, aren't we all? Well, you're the actor. You're. Well, this is what you do for a living. It is buddy. what I do for a living, and it's and it's disconcerting sometimes to be do like. You ever like? Yeah, have you ever like sitting at home like, who am I really? Uh oh, <laughs> do you think maybe I'm sitting at home sometimes wondering who am I really? Do you maybe I'm sitting around thinking that sometimes? It's it's alarming sometimes. I'll tell you an interesting phenomenon that's happened to me lately. Sometimes I'll. I'll see myself on like a talk show or something, oh. you know, or I'll see myself, even sometimes I'll see, I'll see this or I'll listen to this and I'll think, I don't believe that guy. I don't believe what he's saying. He's, he's a bad actor. And then I'll see myself in a movie or something where I'm playing a character and I'm like, now I believe me. Now I, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's fucked up. Isn't it? It's, it's really actually weird. super interesting though, because like, what does it say about like truth that, cause people use this about acting and theater, that there's a kind of art, artistic truth yeah. and you're sort of more believable as a character well, <laughs> than but you are true. on the chin wag. No, it's weird. And it's, it almost relates to that kind of thing. You feel more comfortable around a stranger sometimes than you do somebody uh, you've known for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's really weird. Right. But honestly, I will sometimes look and just go, 
don't believe a word coming out of my mouth when I see myself <laughs> on a talk show, but but 100% believe that I'm the second president of the United States. Oh, yeah, I buy that. I mean, I buy it. I don't know if anybody else does, but it's, but tell it's you, interesting. It's interesting. I'll tell you what I believe. Yeah. You're in this role of 30 coins, and you play like sort of the devil or even worse than the devil. Yes. I believe that guy. Oh, good. Okay. That's, no, that's good. There's the real Paul Listen, Giamatti. Listen, yeah, it's weird. No, it's super weird, though. It is that weird thing of like, there's... Maybe there's nobody home, but I do feel like right, I'm going to get really kind of, do I, it. I don't know what the word is, Pollyanna-ish or kind of like, kind of crunchy and, and, but I believe that there is a way <laughs> in which as an actor, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to do it as an actor. I feel I am somewhat privileged to play around with the whole idea that there's somebody oh, here. Oh, that's totally legit. I know, I think but I he, sound he, kind of like, oh, I, but I do. I'm like, smarmy it, to you? Yeah, smarmy or something. Kind of like, oh boy, okay, here he goes. Here goes no, the actor. No, I think it's, it's but true. But I do. Like, I'm privileged to be able to go, well, there's nobody here. There's actually, there is yeah. nobody home. There actually isn't anybody here. There's nobody. Well, they say, you know, that is what the, it, the philosophers now of the sort of postmodern variety think that that's really what all of us are. There, there used to be the myth, they say, that you have these masks, but there's an authentic self inside there somewhere. And now the postmoderns are saying, eh, there's no authentic all, self. No, even. I don't yeah. think there is. I think it's all, cons you construct it, but it's not a bad thing. It's not a scary yeah, thing. Yeah, it may not be. It's, right. To me, it's, it's a liberating thing. You don't, you don't have to be fixed in one thing. You know what I mean? None of us are. It's much harder to be fixed in one thing. <laughs> you know, but, but we have to. But we have to be fixed in one thing to function in society, right? I mean, that's true. You can't run around just being like blah blah blah. blah, blah. You know, just <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I can. I get paid for it. All the time. Yeah, I get paid to do it. <laughs> And, then, and therefore, you're not like making dinner and like, I'm going to be fucking John Adams now. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> yes, I am actually. I mean, that's the thing. And it's like, I'm allowed to do that. And it's uh -huh. like, I'm given the carte blanche. And again, and then I said to myself, well, no wonder people mistrusted actors because it's like, yeah. you're deliberately going, I'm not here. I'm, you know, I'm something else. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's weird. I but think, I, yeah, people, schlubs like me, like secretly want to be able to just be the king today and the pauper sure, tomorrow. And, sure. the, you know. Schlubs like you. Give me a break. But it's, a, but you're thinking about this stuff all the time too. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, true. it's just that it's like, you don't, you can be, I mean, we are different all the time. I mean, five minutes from now, I'm a different person. I mean, we're yeah. always like changing. And I think that there's some way to, to acknowledge that's not a bad thing. To go, I don't know, I'm not the same guy. That's the idea in Buddhism too. Yeah. 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 In Buddhism, you're a different self from moment to moment. And there's no like permanent soul underneath there. Right. But that's very weird. It's hard to relate to. It that. is hard to relate to because how you get through your day being just like, yeah. oh, I'm just a, but also it's like, you don't want to give you, it's not giving you carte blanche to suddenly just be like, I'm going to be an asshole to you because I suddenly feel like it. You know what right. I mean? It's like there's, then there's societal demands that say you can't just suddenly change your fucking mind. On, yeah. And, there's and, prison. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. And there's all, well, and there's all kinds of things that, you know, there's just basic like decency where you can't suddenly like decide, I don't like it. I'm going to smack you at Starbucks because yeah. you fucked up my coffee. You know what I mean? And it's just like. It's true. Social yeah. life is, is constraining you at every moment when you're out in it, you know, and even yeah. when you're at home, you're almost judging yourself through your social you know, experiences, you're like, totally. oh, I can't do that because what if somebody saw me doing that? Totally, <laughs> totally. All that kind of stuff. Anyway, well, this, this we, is a deep a conversation. Here? This is a whole other, <laughs> so this is a deep conversation though. I like it. See, this is the chinwag. Yeah. And if you like this content, you <laughs> if you're still us, with us, if you're still listening to this bullshit, you please like give us, go, go and rate us somewhere. Would you, would you, would you think yes, about doing head on that? down to Apple Podcasts. Uh, or anywhere where you're listening to your podcast. And thanks also to Spotify for showing us so much love. We want to welcome our new listeners and thank you all for your ongoing support of Chinwag. And 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 send this along to friends, you know, just send them a link so that they Absolutely. can come and enjoy this kind of quality <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> It's kind of random, yeah, this, meandering. No, this is the quality podcasting that you enjoy, that you seek out every day. All right. 
I'm very excited for our next guest. Yeah. This is this is a person I've actually known for a long time. This is I may have known some of these other, but I think maybe this person I've known for I don't know how many years, over 20 years, 25 years. Probably. Is that right? Really? I would wow. think so. Yes. Um she 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 works among all the other things she does. She works at one of the greatest bookstores in the country and in my opinion in the it. world. Great used bookstore, Iliad Bookshop in Los Angeles. Iliad. That's Iliad. I-L-I-A-D. <laughs> Iliad. Iliad. And it is a great bookstore. And it's Is it huge or is it just big. quality? It's pretty sizable. And it's okay. quality. It's really good stuff. It's like people, you know, you can tell. You got people buying the books and putting it's a used bookstore. And it's curated. Rare and used and secondhand. You can tell the people who 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 work the place care about books. And there's cats. Cool. There's a lot of cats uh, wandering around. That kind of. Oh, place. that's why you like and it. And I do. I do. I like <laughs> that. It's it's a. It, and they got everything on every subject, but everything, every conceivable subject. Amazing depth of stuff they have. But particularly for me, it's good. But like science fiction and horror, oh, good great. genre stuff, really good genre sections. And and so she's it's, it's a fantastic place. It's just the best. I'm gonna check it out. You really should. Next time you're out there in the in the in the valley out in Los Angeles. In the valley. Gotta love the valley. Anyway, she is also, in addition to working at this wonderful bookstore, screenwriter, author. Six-time winner of the Bram Stoker Award. That's amazing. Now, if you want to win an award, don't you want to win the Bram Stoker yes, Award? That's I mean, an that amazing sounds award. so cool. She's also a renowned Halloween and paranormal expert. Her recent books include Calling the Spirits, The History of Seances, and The Art of the Zombie Movie, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Great books, book. both of them. Yeah. Fantastic. She also has a weekly podcast called The Ghost Report with Lisa Morton, where she tells her weekly ghost report in three to five minutes each week. It's worth checking out. It's great how much information she gets into a small that's, space. Yeah, that's that's for when you really don't have a lot of time. <laughs> no. I need a three-minute podcast. But it's Let's amazing it. yeah, how much stuff she gets into it. It's really awesome. And she's, she's, she's amazing. She's great. And so anyway, we're thrilled to have her here on the Chinwag. Please welcome Lisa Morton. Stephen, I have an alarming bit of trivia for you. This is really, this is, yeah, this is kind of gross. So buckle up. Okay. <laughs> this is this alarmed me. Did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat, Steve? Come on, that's disturbing. That's disturbing, isn't it? You can get the acne. It can get you the stuffy nose. It can bump up the allergies. It's awful. That's gross. It's gross. I had no idea. Well, Steve, Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, such as sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and requires three times less laundry. I'm telling you, I, I got these sheets. I wake up and I feel a little bit clearer. I feel cleaner already, Steve. I feel clean as a whistle. It's it's not a joke. And that's good. They make the perfect holiday gift. All your friends and family can sleep clean with Miracle. Who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets? Go to trymiracle.com slash chinwag to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. And if you use our promo chinwag at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't a 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash chinwag and use the code chinwag to claim your free three-piece towel set, Steve, and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash chinwag to treat yourself, a friend, or loved one this holiday season. Hi, Lisa Morton. Well, hi, Paul Giamatti. How are you? I'm very hi, Lisa. good. Hi, Welcome Steve. to the Chinwag. This is Stephen. This is my my colleague, Stephen Asma. Good afternoon. It's funny, Lisa, seeing you not uh, in the, in that bookstore. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's very funny. I think I have to have been going there for 20-some-odd years, I think. Yeah, when I first started going out to, to L.A., it's the Iliad Bookstore out in Los Angeles. And I had seen you in there for so many years, and I'd read... Read your books not knowing 
that you were the person writing these books. <laughs> That's hilarious. It, it was hilarious. And then one day I just put it together because I was looking at your book on seances and I was like, who is this woman? And I looked at the picture <laughs> in the back and I was like, wait a minute, I know her. And it was just very nice. That's bizarre. Anyway, I like to keep my uh, superhero secret identity. It's <laughs> very much like that. It really is. It's fantastic. Anyway, thank you for coming. And I think you're, you're one of these people where it's almost like we have probably too much to talk you, to yeah, you Yeah, you have written a lot of stuff. And we, we read the seance book. The zombie book is out now. Yes. And to that end, I was just going to mention, I just saw a thing in the, in the New York Times about people creating these AI versions of their deceased loved ones to talk to, to communicate. Have you seen this? Are you aware of this? Wow. Uh, I have heard a little bit about that. I, had, I didn't read this particular article yet. Neither have I yet, but it's a thing, I suppose. How does it work? What, what, you, it has their voice or some, something emulates their voice? Yes, I think that's what it is. I think it's just like it's chatbot and it literally, I mean, whether you're, I don't know whether it's an auditory thing or what it is or whether you're like speaking to them. I don't know how it works exactly, but it seems super bizarre. And all of this like weird technology, somebody else was just telling me today about this ghost hunter app on their phones. <laughs> <laughs> which which I know you get into in the book, but have you used that thing? Have you actually ever experienced it? I have. Um, it. I found it howlingly funny myself, but um, <laughs> I also didn't get any actual ghost. I guess the way it works, it looks like a little radar screen with little mm -hmm. dots that are beeping supposedly as you get closer to a ghost. And when you actually come up on one, it will take a photo of them. Now, of course, people have noted that the photos all tend to look alike and come from <laughs> a library of photos. But um, I have I have yet to actually get one of the photo things. So amazing, the charlatanry of this whole thing is kind of interesting. I mean, it's really and it's something we definitely, as we get into it, we wanted to ask you about how much you buy of this because I don't yeah. know how much. You actually, how skeptical you are from, you you buy very little of it. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and so you're, so you're uh, uh, do you have experience with ghosts in any way? Do you believe in ghosts or, and not believe in this stuff or? Um, I try to be an authentic skeptic, which means that I am open to all kinds of possibilities. I, I was extremely skeptical before I wrote a book called Ghost to Haunted History. Mm -hmm. And you cannot write a book about 50,000 years of ghost sightings and retain complete skepticism, I think, because it's too universal, it's too global, mm -hmm. um, and I encountered too many people who have witnessed things, and they are all completely earnest in their belief, and I do not ever discount that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is that they've experienced, and I'm not completely convinced that it's spirits of the dead. Mm -hmm. That's you a good way to put it, actually. It, yeah, it is. Have you experienced anything, though? I had one odd experience, which um, happened in the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. If you don't know that place, mm -hmm. um, it is a legendary resort hotel that inspired Stephen King to write The right. Shining. Oh, um, It is tucked way up in the Colorado Rockies, somewhat isolated. And it's supposed to be, uh, some paranormal investigators call it the Disneyland of ghosts. It's supposed <laughs> to be very haunted. And I was there in 2014 doing an overnight paranormal investigation as part of a large group and it was about three in the morning and we were in one of the outbuildings not the main hotel we were in a concert hall mm -hmm. and the concert hall was supposed to be haunted by a number of spirits on its own and we were using a device called a spirit box and if you don't know what this is it's an it's a thing that looks kind of like an old-fashioned transistor radio that rapidly scans radio frequencies. Mm -hmm. And occasionally words will blurt through this thing. And we were there three in the morning. This thing had been running for 20 minutes with nothing. And it suddenly blurted out this word that sounded like Mostelaria. Now, most people, of course, would have no idea what that is. But mm. because I had been working on this book about the history of ghosts, I knew that was the Latin name of a play that translates to The Haunted House by Plato. Really? Oh, nice. Really? <laughs> so to hear that coming from this thing at three in the morning in the middle of this isolated Colorado hotel. Yeah. startling. But I chalk it up to pareidolia, which is the human mind's propensity to 
try to put things into shape and make sense of things. And uh-huh. I'm guessing it was probably some DJ in the middle of the Colorado Rockies <laughs> saying something like most of the area. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that my brain put that together. Sure. Of course. Is just as amazing to me as the idea that there are ghosts. Right. So, uh, well, that's what we're always. And then here. did did Scatman Crothers show up in the kitchen? And <laughs> sorry. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When I lived in other parts of the world where there where ghost uh, beliefs are very high, like in the developing world, I noticed that I started to lose some of my skepticism. And it was almost like in the same way that you gather patterns of of language or speech in an, in a new place, you start to gather like patterns of thought or habits of thought. And I began to think like, yeah, the idea that there are spirits or ghosts and dead relatives all around you, it's part of the local culture. And it seems much more compelling when you're in that culture. Yeah. And there have been many psychological studies done that have backed that kind of thinking up. For example, they'll take a control group of people, put them in a a room in a very old building and tell them the place is haunted. And something like 70% of those people will come out and say they think it is haunted as compared to like 20% of a group that is not told the building is haunted. So yeah, that definitely influences, um, what we perceive, I think. And so whatever you, it's like you, you prime the jury almost. Uh, and, and so it turns out to be a much bigger psychological effect on people and we forget about it. And that's one of the things that sort of interests me about the whole sort of, I mean, in, in the book on sciences, I mean, it's amazing the amount of information you get in there. Like it's really cool. And I was saying to Steve, it's like, it's so funny. It's one of those kinds of books. When I read it, I go, after reading something that's this dense and and relates to so many different things, you start to go, the history of mankind is the history of talking to the dead, because this just seems like such an intrinsic part of everything through history. But like the sort of explosion of interest in it is weird. Like why suddenly these things happen? Like why suddenly it goes from these more kind of primitive things that are more tied to religion or things like that, not that it wasn't tied to religion as it went on, but like suddenly this explosion of interest in kind of the 18th century, am I right? Is it's is that one sort of, it, it begins to become what we identify now as kind of talking to the dead and spiritualism? Really 19th century, mid 19th uh-huh. century. And I, I think it directly ties into the industrial revolution. Um, I think people were feeling their lives change so much in ways they had no control over. They were feeling kind of abandoned. They had been through the Enlightenment when a lot of the philosophers told them, your spiritual beliefs mean nothing. Um, (laughs) And so they were looking to cling on to something. And and along come these two teenage girls in New York, upstate New York, who say, we have found a way of communicating with the dead. And um, it was something that involved a group. They were demonstrating this for large groups of people at first, and then it became the seance, which was the first time that talking to the dead involved a big group of people. Oh. So it was kind and this of- this was the Fox sisters, the right? Fox Is that the sisters, two girls? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Katie and Maggie. And it was kind of, to me, a revolution in thinking about how these things would work. And um, for the first time, talking to the dead was not something that was involved with magic or uh-huh. um, a solitary seeker, that kind of thing. So up until then, it had been this sort of, you will go alone into some sort of cave with a sort of, I mean, the the, the idea was- Right. You'd consult on your own some person that's going to 
I mean, an oracle, that's not the same thing though, right? Oracles were different, right? That's not the same thing as a medium, right? They were sometimes tied into mediumship and, and communicating from the dead, but often oracles were thought to be communicating from a god. They were passing a message on from a god. and uh-huh. um, But yes, there were many magicians and so forth, necromancers in the medi- uh, medieval times who were performing these insane rituals. I mean, you can... <laughs> find their grimoires and their spell books and you just go, what? I mean, you have to wear the pelt of a lion and take a, <laughs> um, you know, a dragon's eye out to the crossroads. And uh, so they were essentially impossible. And, and one of the things I also think is really interesting about the seance is that people not only absolutely expected the dead to communicate through the mediums, but they expected them to answer questions. Anything yeah. that you asked, it was like, you were in command of these spirits, which was also something that was relatively new. In the past, the seeker would go and hope for some communication that would pretty much be at the whim of the spirit. But yeah, now, can I ask oh, about that in particular? I remember reading that in your book, and I've if you contrasted it with like the Mexican tradition of Day of the Dead and the Chinese like grave sweeping sort of holiday, and those, I think if I remember you right. Those are more like we want to respect the dead, and the dead ha- are the agents. They they are the ones that are deciding what to do. But there seem is it something about American American spiritualism that's like okay, you need to come and that's answer my questions. You're gonna do what I tell you better. to do, yeah. Right. right? Yeah, you're gonna. That's interesting. Why is it? Yeah, um, I don't know if I would say American only because the spiritualism, which is the religion that built up around this, was equally popular in the UK and in parts of Europe Uh. as well. But there definitely is some kind of, I don't know, egotistical or something mindset there to expecting (laughs) the dead to just go, yeah, here you go, here's the answers. You're going to command them. But the Fox sisters were really the epicenter of it, right? I mean, there, there wasn't a parallel thing happening in the UK, was there, or in Europe? Well, the Fox sisters traveled to the UK and uh-huh. Uh-huh. they started this kind of trend in superstar mediums. And mm-hmm. they were not even the most famous at the time. Um, the Probably the most famous of all the spiritualist mediums in the 19th century was a guy named D.D. D. Hume, Daniel mm-hmm. Douglas Hume. And this was a guy who was said to be able to levitate to um, – expand his body <laughs> he could like weird his weird <laughs> stuff hold burning coals in his hand um, what about ectoplasm did he have ectoplasm well, coming well, out no, i know I, ectoplasm is a whole other thing i'm super okay. fascinated right. by you wait but, on so, that? yeah just wait a second on that <laughs> but, but so he was sort of at the same time or he's an outgrowth of this sort of thing he was just about slightly after the uh, Fox sisters, but very close to the same time. And um, there was a couple of other mediums from that time period I love as well. There was one named um, uh, Agnes Guppy. I mean, right off the bat, you got to love the name. <laughs> and um, Mrs. Guppy was skilled in something called a port. It's A-P-P-O-R-T. And a ports was the idea that she could make things magically materialize in front of you during the seance. And Fascinating. Yeah, they, they had a lot of really crazy beliefs then. And, and a lot of the different star mediums kind of had their own little areas of specialty. I was going to say, did each one of them have a shtick that they kind of worked up? Like that writing, sort of- automatic writing and stuff too, that right? Was, that was in their slate writing, which was where, of course, you took a little tiny um, slate and wrote spirit messages on it. And um, yeah, producing phosphorescent uh, globes that would fly over people's head, musical instruments that would Yeah, what's play. with the trumpets? There was a whole thing with sort of <laughs> trumpets, right? Like what's what was that? Spirit trumpets, right? There was there were a lot of musical things. And the idea was that you would be sitting in the seance and these things would float over your head and they would play music. And uh-huh. um one of the the instruments that people really loved for this particular demonstration was the accordion, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is probably because it's so easy to produce sounds out of that thing. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. And you touch it and it will make a sound. Yeah. That's very funny. But the the Fox sisters, it was rapping and stuff, right? It was sort of like- was Knocking it like, on the table or something? Yeah. And it was a pol- what we would call a poltergeist too. Was there any sense of that around them? Which- I always take to be this sort of manifestation, which they always say it manifests around 
adolescent girls and things like that, that it particularly sort of is this energy. And so was it a kind of, was there any sense of that too? I mean, it all seems to overlap in some ways with these other kinds of things, but there was a, was there a poltergeist sense with them that it was like some thing was happening around them? Well, it's what we would call poltergeist now. Back then, they didn't have that ah. whole separate belief. But yes, when it started with the Fox sisters, they were living in this huge old uh, farmhouse. And they were hearing these rapping noises, like coming from the walls and the floors and so forth. And when it turned into a seance was when they told their parents, we can communicate with these things. And they would knock in response and they would get messages back and um, I, if you don't know the secret, ultimate secret of the Fox sisters, uh, it, it turned out to be, <laughs> and this is very weird, <laughs> yes. that they could actually crack their toe knuckles in a way that was so extraordinary. So loud. <laughs> That's the miracle. <laughs> so loud. You could hear it in the back of an auditorium. <laughs> What? <laughs> That's fantastic. That's I don't th I've, I've heard that and I can't get my head around it. Like I don't understand what that even means. Like how's that possible? What a gift. And, and frankly, that's much weirder than <laughs> yeah, it's even weirder than the <laughs> dead returning. So weird. <laughs> God, and that's and that was the source of a lot of the wrappings and things like that. And but I thought that they, I thought that the one sister. I, here's what I heard. You've got to correct me on this, but I thought one sister died as a without ever sort of confessing. The other sister confessed near the end of her life, but then retracted it again. What? 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 Have I misunderstood that? Uh, there were three sisters from the Fox okay. family who engaged in this. And one of them uh, was an older sister named Leah. And Leah essentially acted as a manager to Katie and Maggie, who were the two younger ones. And uh, towards the end of her life, in I think 1888, Maggie confessed everything. And Really? Maggie, Just full-on confession? She confessed it all. And the reason she did it was that she uh, there was a famous trial taking place at the time with a fraudulent medium. And um, she was apparently horrified to be compared to that. And so she uh -oh. confessed all of her fraud and um, her confessions actually are kind of heartbreaking. Mm. Um, I, they're all written down. You can read them in a little pamphlet you can find online. Um, and she, the, the part that really got me was when she said that she had tried to communicate with the spirits of the dead. And she had even gone to cemeteries at night and alone and had sit, sat on a grave and oh, had hoped wow. for some communication and nothing ever came. And um, her sister Katie went along with the confession without sort of backing it up. She was just kind of quiet in um, mm. backing it up. But then both of them died not long after that, uh, essentially both of alcoholism. Oh. So they didn't have happy lives towards the end, unfortunately. It's a, this is a, sort of the interesting thing is that like, to what extent are these people purely charlatans and to what extent do they actually think they have? Yeah. I find it super fascinating. Yeah. Like at is. what, to what extent have they convinced themselves that's something that they're doing something real and therefore it's okay to like fake some things sometimes because it gets stuff going. It gets. And the, they're, gets they're it. true believers. Yeah. Yeah. They're not yeah. cynical uh, charlatans. They might be true believers that then nudge it or something. Something. It's so interesting to me, though, that thing of self-deception, which I guess is, you know, it, that's interesting to me. Like, what is with that? And do you think a lot of these people did sincerely believe it and some of them weren't, were, were pure charlatans or? I think you've nailed it. I think some of them thought they really had these abilities and that they would have to sometimes resort to a little extra something, um, which is how they would explain it if they got caught. Yeah. And one of the most interesting of the mediums from this time who I always point to in terms of some of them obviously really, truly, genuinely believed in what they were doing was a woman named Georgiana Houghton, who – was British, never achieved the kind of superstar status at the time of a lot of her peers, but she claimed that when she was in a trance state as a medium, she was communicating with the spirits of great artists. 
and she produced about 300 paintings, which during her life, no one was interested in. And those paintings mm. are now regarded as the beginning of surrealism. Oh, really? And they're absolutely glorious. If you haven't seen one, go I Google don't... her, look at them. Wow. They are beautiful. W what's their name again? Georgiana, and the last name is H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N. That's and amazing. You mentioned also in the book Hilma F. Clint, and, and oh, yeah. Paul and I have talked about her. Oh, Hilma F. Clint right over there. It's so <laughs> awesome. It, it, that, those spiritual artworks had a huge influence. They were like way ahead of their time. But I, I think it also is interesting that the whole spiritualist movement was so so much driven by women and it was about female emancipation and it was abolitionist. It really yeah. was a, for all of its flaky stuff, it had all these wonderful like, qualities too. Uh, I, I don't know, like, you know, I mean, there's a sense in which are they just hallucinating stuff or are they having a kind of a psychedelic experience uh, yeah, and then they're a just kind of psychic experience. In a that yeah. yeah, right. They're having some sort of, we talk about this all the time, Steve and I, this sort yeah. of like your imagination running riot and you not being able to discern the difference necessarily. And so some of these people, maybe that's what was going on here, going into weird trances and having mm -hmm. weird sort of dream states. Yeah, I'm sure that was the case with Georgiana Houghton in particular. I think the uh, the idea, and you mentioned this too in the book, that a lot of the seances and mediums come out of an earlier tradition of mesmer, mesmerism and animal magnetism. And I, I have this pet theory, <laughs> which I'm not going to press too hard, but I think people have a kind of animal awareness that um, comes from our, our mammalian evolution. It's almost like a sixth sense. We call it like a gut instinct and you can sort of feel in a room certain things, but you can't say exactly why you're feeling that way or what it is, but it's almost like a kind of very sensitive conditioning. And I think some of this medium stuff is related to that real sensitive conditioning and empathy. I, I think you're right. And it's interesting. One of the questions I set out to answer when I was writing the book on the history of ghosts um, was, why are we so afraid of ghosts? Mm. Because you would think that if you were presented with something standing in front of you that proves that there is life after death, it would be the most glorious moment of your life. I mean, you'd be <laughs> like, oh, thank God. There's... And yet it is absolutely universal that people are terrified of these Terrified. Things. And I'm with you, Stephen. I think it it is it's almost some kind of hardwired thing with us. And And I will even go so far as to think I think there is a neurological factor involved there, which is something that is constantly under investigation, that maybe there is something firing off in the part of the brain that receives EMF, electromagnetic frequencies, that mm. affects certain people much more strongly than others. Um, but whatever it is, it's amazing to me that people are almost universally terrified at the thought of That's seeing a ghost. But, but it, Steve and I were going to mention that we talked to a medium. Um, oh, yeah. We talked to Teresa Caputo. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and and Steve's take on, I mean, Steve handled it extremely well, I thought. I, I said that she gave us both readings, and I, I really liked her. She's a very sweet she was and great. fun person. She was amazing. I, I thought she I was amazing. I thought she had a, an amazing talent, but it wasn't what she thought it was. That she's very empathic and can read a person is suffering and knows how to say the right thing to console them, but that's not what she thinks she's doing, which is actually channeling the dead. Yeah. I, I mean, I I said it, I, I really respect No, and it's but an extraordinary level of sort of empathy, like an extraordinary yeah. level of empathy that allows you to read things, such fine signals about people that you can sort of, it's like you're reading their mind and then it's like you're interpreting what they want to hear or something, or you're you're finding what it is they're looking for. It's, it's a, they're a bit like, I mean, good actors. I mean, they're, yeah. they're a bit like really good performers, which is another thing I think is so interesting about this stuff is the extent to which it sort of becomes, I mean, and you say it, the arts of like the woman is painting and stuff, but it's so connected to sort of performance too. And sort of how much was going on of like magic shows and stuff yeah. at the same time. Was that happening as well? Was that sort of in vaudeville and stuff and theaters and stuff? Weren't guys doing magic shows that almost sound the same as these things? Yeah. In fact, it wasn't even almost standing the same. It was exactly the same in many <laughs> regards. And, really? um, 
that's one of the reasons that the first group of people to really debunk a lot of these mediums were often the magicians uh-huh. who oh, yeah. got very kind of upset at the fact that these people were using the same techniques that they were using and where the magicians were saying it's all entertainment, it's trickery, it's sleight of hand, it's illusion. The mediums were using the same techniques and effects except saying, no, 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 it's real. It's really ghost uh-huh. and spirits from the beyond. And that's one of the reasons that magicians went after the media like Houdini. so often. Houdini, um, before Houdini, there was a really interesting British ma- magician named J.N. Maskelyne. And he was a very famous debunker at the end of the 19th and early 20th century and, and ended up, in fact, very famously losing one lawsuit where he tried to expose a medium. Really? And it was a fascinating uh, trial. He lost because the medium in question had been able to produce ectoplasm. Okay. Okay. Here we go. No, no, no. I just wanted to get get to it more naturally, but yes. Okay. (laughs) Had produced ectoplasm from his torso, which had materialized into sort of a figure and then had pulled it back in. Well, Masculine took the jury to one of his stage performances, duplicated it perfectly but he lost because the jury said he didn't pull it back in at the end. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, I don't know. It's a I mean, biased he, jury. That, that's fantastic. All right. We're at ectoplasm, and ectoplasm okay. is one of the weirdest parts of this that I've always found super fascinating. And what is the the what what is the ectoplasm? What what is the whole idea of ectoplasm? Please just yeah, <laughs> educate us on ectoplasm, please. <laughs> ectoplasm was this kind of whitish material that certain physical mediums would produce. There were kind of two different mediums working around that turn of the last century: the physical mediums and the trance mediums. And the physical mediums were the ones who would produce some physical effect, whether it was huh. a sound or a, even a smell or uh, sight, whatever. And um, the ectoplasm was something that would manifest from their bodies. Usually it might come out of their mouth. It might come out of their ears or just their torso or whatever. (laughs) And it was this filmy whitish material. And it might or might not take on a shape of something like a person or a face. Uh And it was thought to be the sort of matter of the spirits. Okay. um, Yeah, Uh, it was a subtle You're contacting some impalpable, you're manifesting some, you've merged with some dimension and it's now manifesting out your nose. This like (laughs) white shit is coming out your nose. Yeah. And um, one of my favorite mediums who produced ectoplasm was a woman named (laughs) Helen Duncan. Uh Helen Duncan was uh, throughout the first part of the 20th century. She was very famous. Um, Yeah. And Helen Duncan, again, talking about these weird abilities like toe knuckle cracking that are seem as magnificent as spirits of the dead. Helen Duncan could regurgitate at will. God <laughs> almighty. So she would apparently before she was going to do a sitting, she would swallow a length of cheesecloth. Okay. <laughs> During the sitting, she could produce this at will. And, and of course, if you're in a sitting with this woman and the lights are very low and you are, as we said earlier, primed, yeah, you see this whitish material that you can't really see in the semi-darkness oh, coming out Oh, that would freak me out. Yeah. Yes, it would be I would very be like, strange. I'm on board. yeah. It would be very would, weird. Yeah. Couldn't Houdini regurgitate it well, too? Couldn't he swallow keys and things like that and then regurgitate them? Didn't he? I thought he, I thought he actually could do that, too. Um that's and so the stuff would come out. It would go back in sometimes because obviously Wait, Helen Duncan, Helen Duncan like would just shape. eat it again. She would just yeah, like. But how does it form like a figure? That sounds really like some good magic. Yeah. Well, what they would do usually was, for example, if it was forming a face, they would. And the, one of the the mediums got busted with this. They would take a a picture out of a magazine mm. and layer it into the cheesecloth. Which then, when they would produce, you'd see in this again, you're in this semi darkness, you see this face in the cheesecloth. And uh-huh. one of the, um, I think it was a very famous woman named Eusepia Palladino got busted Whoa. when someone <laughs> recognized the face from their own uh, magazine. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, that's Kim Kardashian. What's yeah, going right, on? Yeah, right, totally.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Helen Duncan, sort of the Second World War era, right? So yeah. this wow. stuff persisted for a while. The war is crucial in triggering the the sort of rise of these seances, right? Because so many people. Well, wars in general seem to yeah, be a wars in general, yeah. right? I mean, the Civil War too, right? And yeah, First any, World War. Any sort of mass traumatic event tends to trigger a rise in, of belief in the paranormal, and the first time you get this is the Civil War. And then we get it with World War One, which is yeah. when the Ouija board becomes popular because oh. you you take a situation like World War One where so many people lost their sons or their brothers or their husbands and quite often didn't know if they were dead or not. Um, and they are desperate for some sort of closure. So mm. if someone comes along and hands you this board and says, you don't even have to go to a medium, which can be mm. maybe a little bit of a scary experience for the wrong reasons, um, you can do this in the comfort of your own home and get a message from your beloved son or husband. Um, and then, it, yes, it, it, it's interesting. I just acquired a book recently um, on spiritualism in the 1930s that talked about how the Great Depression continued mm -hmm. it oh. because people were, of course, desperate for any hint of how they were going to get a job or how they were going to come by some money. And um, and then World War II again. And um, it well, was I wonder if COVID is going to create an uptick I in wonder too if, if there has been an uptick yeah. in it. It feels like there has been in some there ways. There absolutely was a huge uptick. Um, Interesting. And, yeah, I've already talked about that. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, in the first few weeks of lockdown, I said, we're going to see a huge growth in paranormal. Well, sure, especially this. you're sitting at home with the Ouija board and all those yeah. kinds of things. No, <laughs> yeah. totally. I was actually really surprised to read because I bought the notion that the Ouija board had some actual origin, had some roots in, in something ancient. I actually thought, I bought the idea it had some ancient provenance that it was this thing that the the the, the, the Egyptians were sitting around using. I completely, but it's like Freemasonry. Hermes. Where it's like, uh, where you, you just, yeah, Her Hermes, Trismegistus <laughs> and all the like Egyptian stuff and all the like temple and all this stuff. And I was amazed to see it has none. It really doesn't. What was, when did it come, where, where did it come from? It came from uh, mainly the Fox sisters, again, ah. who oh. one of the ways they were communicating with the spirits was they would call out letters to get answers. So they would say, okay, knock when you hear the next letter. A, B, C, knock, knock. Okay, C. Toe-knuckle, crack. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then at some point, somebody came up with the idea of instead of them having to do this laborious calling out of the letters, just taking the letters and putting them on a tabletop oh. and you could just point to them and then uh -huh. it would knock. And eventually that became a planchette and that became the whole wooden Ouija board. And yeah, the Ouija board wasn't patented until the end of the 19th century. Oh, wow. Paul, have you ever used it? Have you ever done the Ouija board? Oh, sure. Board? I've done it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, but I have those like Parker Brothers, the like, you know, I mean, the, the kind of cheapo, like, get, I, I a little while ago, I thought, oh, I'm going to look and see. And there are indeed people who make beautiful Ouija boards. I mean, beautiful I pieces of, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I should get one. But I have. I don't know. I don't think I can claim any great success with the Ouija board, particularly. But that was amazing. And so it was patented and then mass produced, basically. Mm -hmm. And the patent is interesting because the patent makes no mention whatsoever of using this to communicate with spirits. Um, oh. The patent 
called it only a parlor game and a toy. Uh-huh. Did the church go nuts and stuff without this? And uh-huh. sort of like it's a doorway it into the other, yeah, into into the other world and stuff like that. Oh yeah. 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 In nineteen nineteen, yeah. The church went put out a book called The New Black Magic that was all about calling out the the evils of using a Ouija board. Yeah, on this same topic, I Paul and I are both interested in how Christianity sometimes will accommodate certain pagan ideas and sometimes there's all this fine-grained distinctions like you were saying that Augustine St. Augustine was saying it's not the dead who are returning but in fact angels and demons. Mm-hmm. And that's a kind of a I don't know, it's kind of an odd adjustment of the theory, I guess, for theological reasons. What What's the reasoning there, that you're once you die, you're either in heaven or hell, and so you, you can't come back, according to Catholic theology? Is that why he was resisting that? Yeah, the, the early church scholars really argued that a lot. Um, okay. Many of them believed in ghosts, but their theology didn't hold room for them. Um, so they. Well, what would... about limbo and stuff like that? Limbo and purgatory—they don't provide at all for like a somebody that's stuck somewhere and then they could manifest as a ghost. Is that not part of? The, is that not a theological thing? Yeah, it did later on, um, ah. which is interesting. But if we're talking when Saint Augustine was writing, which is, I think, like the 7th century AD. It was very early on, um, even earlier. And they, at that point, did not have any room for ghost at all. But as you advance over the centuries, the next few centuries, more and more of the Christian scholars start to come in and debate this. Mm-hmm. And they do start to, to address things like purgatory and limbo. Mm-hmm. And um, and then some of them even will suggest that ghosts are often saints who are returning to give you some useful piece yeah. of information. Oh, really? That That's interesting. Kind and is earned and so forth. But again, even when we talk about people in the mid Medieval times who have seen a ghost and it may be ascribed to being a saint, they often describe it as being terrifying. Uh-huh. Oh. Fascinating. There's another one, too, that, like, you mentioned uh, Madame Blavatsky is this sort of one of the originators I of this. Bla- I love yeah, Madame Blavatsky. I know. She's come up on the show a few times. <laughs> she comes up a lot. But she, yeah, we're, we're, we're interested in theosophy, which— kind of is a is an offshoot of this spiritualism tradition and it was very popular I know in this in the US and in Europe and Blavatsky had also had a strange adjustment of the theory where she said something like it's not your dead relatives it's some astral body within the medium that is <laughs> that is somehow escaping out into the room am I am I remembering this right and then you're mistaking that something like you're that. mistaking it for a dead loved one. Was she a was she was she a medium at first before she became sort of the 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 mother of theosophy oh. and stuff like she that? She was, yeah. Um, she actually even traveled uh, around the U.S. and so forth, working as a medium before creating theosophy. And um, yeah, she was um, not always well liked. <laughs> Yeah. By her peers in spiritualist circles, especially, but uh, her philosophy certainly caught on. I think it's actually a cool idea. Like, even if it's wackadoodle, it's cool that <laughs> there might be spirits within you that could get because you can't rule it out. You know, it's at least as reasonable. The astral projection thing yeah. is at least as reasonable. But that as leads the traditional to all that like story. anthroposophy stuff, the Steiner stuff too, isn't it? Doesn't oh, he think that Rudolf there's Steiner? Yeah, that that there's kind of spirits in you and stuff like. Doesn't he sort of believe in that? That there's a connection between the outer spirit and the inner spirit, or something like that. I don't totally follow all that stuff, but right, is he do that kind of thing? Yeah, and yeah. it's like Eastern Eastern ideas are seeping in, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff is coming from reincarnation ideas in Tibet and and Hinduism, and I guess the church is just not able to hold it off anymore. That They're not as powerful as they used to be to censor it, I guess. Yeah, the, the church always had an uncomfortable relationship with ghosts, even in the 19th century. Um, it, it, they would go back and forth on whether they advocated spiritualism or not. Um, some of the bishops said, I think it's fine, and it brings people closer to God or whatever, and some of them were just absolutely, no, it's the devil's work, and um, yeah, they they were never <laughs> could never come in a peaceful agreement with ghosts. Well, that's interesting. I'd never heard that notion that 
they were saints coming back to sort of that's like a that's like a bodhisattva or something a little bit yeah, that's it's cool. like it's sort of a somebody coming back to revisit you like that i'd never heard that before this was something i was going to ask you that you talked about briefly in the book it just reminds me of it now i wasn't aware that in islam there's no belief in ghosts right and, right. and that and what is that i had no mm -hmm. idea they well, think yeah, it's um, just not part of their whole belief. They The closest they get is a uh, belief in the jinn, mm -hmm. um, which is where we get the sort of westernized word and idea of genie from. Mm -hmm. But the jinn are supposed to be these sort of ethereal spirits, spirits of the air who may cause mischief, who may present themselves as ghosts. But they do not believe that you leave paradise once you're there. Once you're there. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, they're like another species of creature that Allah makes, mm -hmm. I think, right? I think right. like they're made of smoke or fire and mm -hmm. humans are made of mud or dust oh, or really? something like that. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Something like that. I do want to get back to ectoplasm. I'm sorry, just for a second. Because <laughs> no, I just in. I wanted to make sure. No, I wanted to make sure I got back to it. Because it's part of what's interesting to me about it too is I've seen photographs of it. I've seen photographs of these people manifesting this stuff, which is so interesting because it's like this clearly just ridiculous thing being photographed in the latest technology. You know what I mean? The latest technology with the uh, with the most ridiculous primitive gag being pulled in front of it is so fascinating. But it's interesting to me, and it looks insane. I mean, it just looks totally bonkers. And they do have the little faces in them and stuff like that. And it just looks crazy. But I'm interested in some of the way in which this stuff does follow along with technological developments too, right? I mean, like mm -hmm. technology. Right. And, 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 and photography and film must have been something that really played into this stuff. I mean, did these people get filmed? Did they appear on film? Did they make movies about these folks? I mean, I know Houdini made movies about himself, but it's not the same thing. But did they, because it's like, the movies must have just been, here they are. Here's the spear. Here's ghosts. I mean, you can make ghosts appear in film. Yeah, that George Millet stuff is like all right? supernatural. Was, it, was he doing? Believable. Was, were, George Millet is a pioneering film guy. Was he doing stuff like this or? He was, yeah. He, in fact, I think the first filmed ghost movie is a Millier movie that I think is called The Haunted Castle. It's from something no. like 1900. Um, it's really fun. You can go see it on YouTube. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting now that you mention it that I don't recall ever hearing of any of the mediums being filmed, photographed. Yes, photographed. Filmed, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I would guess that maybe. The sort of, um, unless you were very trained or something in film, they probably didn't know how to deal with it early on, so it was limited to still photography. Right. But, yeah, I've never heard of uh, the SPR, the Society for Psychical Research, that investigated a lot of the mediums. I've never heard of them filming any of the ones from early on. It, it's ironic that now that there's the um, means of magical production is in everybody's pocket. It's, you know, our iPhones and so forth. So you can make these amazing fake supernatural videos, but people's skepticism is also at an all-time high. So people are unwilling to believe even the films they're seeing because they know mm. how easy it is to engineer them. It's a weird... That is weird. It's like, you know, you well, can make a hell of a ghost story, but... If you're Nobody's skeptical, gonna believe you can easily dismiss it. Yeah, yeah. Belief is also at an all-time high. <laughs> well, that's interesting. What's up? Belief in ghosts. Belief is, in ghosts is crazy right now, and I mean, Where is it? It's it's even crazier to me is the percentage of, for example, Americans who believe in the existence of demons is I think now even higher than ghosts. Really, it's even higher than God, yeah. right? There's like more people. <laughs> right. believe is it really? Is it true? More people believe in that <laughs> I've heard stuff, that. really, I've heard that. than believe in yeah. God. That's fascinating. That's super interesting. But you can't. But, but ghosts, demons will possess you. You don't get possessed by a ghost ever, do you? You don't get possessed by that. Doesn't really happen, does it? It it happens that spirit possession is compared to demonic possession, um, but usually it's easier. In fact, exorcists will often try to ascertain if someone has been possessed by a dead spirit or by a demon. Interesting. Well, that was a ton of fun. We really hope you enjoyed this chinwag. Thank you for listening. 
Uh, we have bonus content coming your way in a few days, so please keep an eye out for that. And don't forget to like us, follow us, rate us, and review us. All that kind of good stuff. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, wag on. Oh, my stars, Steve. My stars and stripes. We have some exciting news. Shall we tell them? We should reveal that Shinwag is hitting the road again and going on a West Coast tour. Yes, that's right. If you missed us in your fair city, truly, friends, don't fret, don't fear, don't have a panic attack. <laughs> Do not panic. We will be recording live Chinwags in May in Los Angeles, Portland, and Seattle. Yes, in L.A. we'll be at Dynasty Typewriter on May 14th. You can go to chinwagpod.fm slash Los Angeles for tickets. And on May 16th, we're going to be in Portland at Revolution Hall. For those tickets, go to chinwag.fm slash Portland. And we'll be at Town Hall, the great town hall in Seattle on May 17th. For tickets to that, go to chinwagpod.fm slash Seattle. You do not want to miss this. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be mighty, mighty. So get your tickets at chinwagpod.fm, and we will see you there. Come on out, waggers. Come out, waggers. Come out. <laughs> Come out of hiding. <laughs>